Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey, everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm so excited today to bring you Julio Salado, and he is an expert at the Fitness Foundry, and he's got all these alphabet soups after his name. I don't know what they are. It's like PQD. but he is voted number two Boston's best personal trainer, so I'm really excited to have him here today because We're going to talk about a unique situation, I think, that's getting very popular um, with people as health care costs, as elderly care costs, all these things are starting to go through the roof. And we see a movement back to people like me who have chosen to bring their elderly 87-year-old father into their house for home care rather than nursing care and all these other options that we have available because they're just so expensive. And if you're like me, a single mom, and you have elder care issues and child care issues, it's easy enough to throw your kids in soccer or baseball or volleyball during the school year. But what do you do with mom or dad? You know, we can't throw an 87 year old. Well, we could, but we probably shouldn't, you know, throw an 87 year old on the court with the, you know, eighth grade basketball team. You know, there's not a lot of options. And if there's mobility or driving issues, they can't take themselves to the gym, take themselves to the senior center. And the biggest fight that I have Julio is getting my father out of the lazy boy. It's like once he sits down, his butt grows roots, and he's planted for the day. Ah. <laughs> okay. Sounds familiar. Yeah, sounds familiar. So let's let's introduce you to my audience. So tell sure. me a little bit about yourself, and what do all those alphabet soups after your name stand for? Well, thank you again for having me, and I uh, hope everyone's family is doing well during these difficult times. Um, so my name is Julio Salado, and I am an NSCA uh, recognized certified personal trainer with distinction. So that's one set of letters. Um, the other set of letters are for different specializations that I have for um, fitness modalities. So, for example, corrective exercise specialist. I've also got um, I went through a course for multiple sclerosis. I've also done Olympic lifting through that course and some other neurobiology and and um, for fitness. I don't have a PhD in it. So that's what those letters stands for is just to show that I appreciate and value um, education and coursework so I can provide it to the general population. So you really don't know a lot about fitness. <laughs> oh, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Well, I was so intimidated today bringing you on the show because I'm looking at this going like, holy moly, like this guy has more letters than like SpaghettiOs. And, um, you know, when you look at most trainers, you know, and I have, I have a trainer I work with every Sunday night and he's actually an educator at our school and a personal trainer, like is his side hustle. Um, but it's really hard to know who to trust, especially when it comes to like, you can do things to my body, Julio. I mean, like that sounds awful, but you know, you can do things to me, but it's another thing for you to help me instruct my dad or somebody I care about. Like there's, it's like, you know, when you have kids, you drive other kids slower than you do your own. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, oh, it's like you get in and just go and put your seatbelt on. You'll be fine. We're already on the freeway. But if it's somebody else's kid, we're not moving this car until the seatbelt is on. And, <laughs> you know, so we get these things and I get all weird like that with getting advice. And that's why for years, and you've been referred to me by Dr. Lori Shemek, and you guys should check out her book on fat formation. And she's got a new book on Kindle on um, intermittent fasting. Check her out because that's how um, you came on the show today. And you do have the creds, like you do have the knowledge, you know, you're just not some Joe that, you know, took an online course, got a certification and then showed up at the gym going, hi, I'm here to like, you know, twist you into a pretzel. Oh yeah. Well, thank you so much. And um, I'm still, so a couple of things. Um, I'm a very practical person. So any, so there, you can't buy experience. So despite the letters after my name, I have over 14 years in the industry. Wow. So that's experience that you can't buy. And throughout the experience, I've learned the best and most efficient way first to motivate people, to make them believe they can do more than what they physically think they can do. And then applying a science that uh, exercise science of movement that is conducive to how their body is structured. So everyone moves a little bit different. We all move. We only can move in um anatomical directions, which is, you know, frontal, sagittal, forward, backwards, push, press, you know, those movements, all of us. However, the range of motion that we do can be um, limited or can be affected by if you have a precondition. So say if I'm an older adult, say if I'm 70, I may have more muscle atrophy in my legs than the average person because I'm using a cane. Right. So if I'm using a cane, it doesn't mean I cannot make your legs stronger like I can do for the 30-year-old guy. It means that I have to do it in a different manner because the science always applies to all of us. And this is, a, uh, this is based on a project that I'm working on, is that our bodies will always adapt to any challenges that we have or physical, external um, stimuli we have. So for, say for uh, uh, your father or an older adult, if I had that individual sit down and I say, extend your knee and hold that for five seconds. And we'll repeat that three times. Um, Sandra, which muscle you think he's going to feel? His hip? Well, his, his quad. So oh, his quad. Your, okay. Yeah. So his muscle, his hip may cramp up because he's probably not used to it. Yep. But with dosing and over a period, we're strengthening that muscle, the leg muscle that helps his gait. Um, in a different way, in a, in a safe way. And then we build upon that. And that builds the confidence that, wow, I can do more. See how right. it's, it builds on top. So, so what to, just to circle back is that movement is the most important thing that we, I, I want to impress upon everybody. And the way we move is, uh, is based on how you're structured. Well, and the old person shuffle, like what I see, you know, with my dad and his friends, you know, they do like the, the, like, you know, the old person shuffle, you know, where they don't pick up their feet, they just kind of slide them along the floor, which is why they trip and fall a lot. And, you know, my dad is like that too. I yell at him all the time. I'm originally from Buffalo. I'm like, Hey, we're not ice skating in the living room, pick up those feet, you know? And you know, when you said everybody walks differently, what I can see with my own eyes as people age is they no longer pick up their feet when they walk. Well, um, yes, we, so let me backpedal. Sure. We, we are, what you see is a, a progression of atrophy, like muscle atrophy. So if we don't, you, you may have, I'm old school. So one of the first places where I trained and as a personal trainer was the YMCA. Okay. And I, and I still, so that had, that was my first introduction to an older population, and I also trained younger people too. And um, one of my first mentors, he's probably in his 90s now, he said to me, Julio, you got to use it or lose it. Yep. I didn't get that from a professor. You know, <laughs> I got that from him. He was a handball player, and he was absolutely right. And he was 70 at the time, and he was riding his bike. Mm-hmm. So to circle back, if we want to improve gait or walking, then the first thing we want to do is mimic movements and do exercises that strengthen that muscle group, if that makes sense. So the, and the balance part, but the way we do it, we do it in increments. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and I, for older people versus, you know, like my 16 year old, who's a gym rat, he's there two and a half hours a day. You know, he, 
he can can do things quicker and see results quicker. But I think with my dad, what I've seen with his physical fitness is kind of slow and steady wins the race. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is perfect. So now I'm going to, I'm going to throw everybody here for a curveball. What okay. I'm going to say is going to be like, it makes sense, but I probably never heard it like that. So the truth is, and this is the project that I'm working on fear of falling. Okay. It is a huge influencer on how we move. Fear of re-injuring is a major influencer of me not going up the stairs. Doesn't matter what age or playing or sport if I had an injury. Right. So just that's a big factor. So when we start to speak about that, and I'll say, say to an older, uh, anyone, I'll say, do you actually have a fear of walking down the stairs or sh- closing your eyes when you shower? And they say yes, then that's a big step. Gotcha. Where I'm going with this, once yeah. we can identify that they, it's not that they're um, physically incapable of doing the movement, it's that they're afraid of re-injuring or falling. Then we take the steps to do that movement to build the trust that they can do it. And while we do that, any, any movement that we can do consistently will um, be conducive to brain activity. Mm-hmm. See where I'm going with this? Yep. So if I don't use my arms and legs and move them sideways, like, like, like a kid, if I move my arms to the side or in front. Yeah. life is interesting because what we did as a kid movement wise moving forward backwards we can still do as we get older even if we do it like in tai chi and martial arts that's my background too um making your brain active and doing that kind of stuff was will will, is a neuromuscular activation is what i'm getting at okay i'm jumping around i apologize so the fear is a huge influencer and then once we establish that that there is fear but they're not physically limited then we can do stuff to 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 progress from there well and you know i think you're spot on because when i started working with my trainer out here in los angeles you know he's probably in his 50s you know really really nice guy and he was having me do things on the bosu ball you know which is like a little ball like a half moon that you stand on it's squishy you know if you you know, are listening today and you don't know what that is, you're not going to lose anything by, you know, looking it up. But um, he would have me stand and he'd balance on these things. And I was so afraid of falling. And then, you know, after like, I don't know, like two months of working on different things, he's like, Sam, he goes, you're a good athlete. He says, but whenever you get up high on one foot, you know, you're falling. And if I have you turn around and then, you know, I remember, you know, I fell off our house when I was a kid, I, I went up a ladder on the roof. And then I went to go down the roof. I missed the rung, you know, and I ended up, I was fine. I ended up in our Christmas light bushes, <laughs> you know, they broke my fall, but, and I was really good Julio at falling off things. I fall off our break wall. I fell out of our boat. I mean, I, I fell off a horse, like you name it. I fell off it. And I think as, you know, a mom and as a fully grown adult, I have this fear of falling on certain things. Now I can run down a mountain, jump off ledges like a mountain goat. But if you put me on some object, you know, like a ladder or something artificial, I'm going to be like, you know, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, And I think, you know, it starts with our brain first and then trickles down the reaction to our bodies. Well, yeah. And then you want to, so now I'm going to put my nerd hat on. (laughs) So we can put that, we can quantify fear. Okay. The same way, you know, so there is different extremes. So like, uh, I have a fear of height. So the higher I go, you know, like on something, the more I start to stiffen up. So, but if I'm lower on there and I know it's not as high, it's not a 10 out of a scale of one out of 10. It might, it's not a nine anymore. And then as I slowly, it will be tough. I would need a coach, by the way. That's why having a motivator like yourself and your father supporting me, like, look, I only need you to go, it's a ladder, pretend. I need you to go up one more step up on that ladder just for five seconds. Nothing, I'm here with you. Then I do that. Then when we do it again, I may go up another step. So the fear factor is actually real, as you, you, you eloquently said, but we can actually overcome our fears. It just takes time and repetition and doing things that are first safe, yeah. but also will promote a physiological adaptation in your body. So we have to do certain exercises or movement where we're, as our fear is diminishing, we're strengthening or, we, or we're developing better mobility. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's twofold. And, um, and it's 100% possible. Uh, 
if you have the willingness, you can do it. Anything is possible. Well, and I think it's important that you trust the person who's leading you. You know, trust is such a big, I, I admit I have huge trust issues. And, you know, it took me a while to find a trainer that I trusted. And when he said, you know, Beck, you're going to be doing X, Y, and Z at the end of a year, I I didn't believe it, but I borrowed his faith in me that I could. And, you know, he's, he did a lot of core work. You know, I had two kids. I sit at a desk, you know, recording and working on a computer. So my, my core was weak. And he's like, you know, and he gave me things, Julio. They were never dangerous, but they were really hard for me, you know, and they were weird positions and they, they felt unfamiliar. And so there's a lot of trust that goes in with your relationship with a trainer and when he would push me further than I thought I could go, sometimes I would tell my brothers and sisters and they're like, I'm the baby Julio. So I'm never going to grow up just so you know, I could be like 90 and I'll still be the baby. Um, but they're like, Oh no, you could get hurt. You could hurt your neck. You could hurt your back. You could, and you know, and he'd be like, look, Stan, I'm not going to let you do anything. And I've been training him with him for three years now. I haven't had an injury. I've been sore, you know, I bumped and bruised and, you know, fell off of things, but the right type of trainer will work with you and just gently or sometimes not very gently push you out of your comfort zone. So let me, uh, exactly. And um, let me say like this, I'm trying, her name is Maya Angelou. I'm going to say a quote. I believe that's her name. And uh, people will forget what you say, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Gotcha. So now if I have your audience or anyone in front of me is an odd, like even yourself, do specific exercises. And I'm saying do it, but what you're feeling is like, I can't believe this is challenging. So for right now, like you're sitting, we're sitting, right? right? Now I want you to put your elbows and you can help me with this. We're going to have your audience do it. Your elbows right. are by your ribs, by your side. Your palms are facing up. Okay. So as you can see, then Elbows by your side. Your elbows are 90 degrees, palms facing up. Everyone's holding two plates of really good food. Mm. Don't spill the food. You're holding it. Now, without removing your elbows from your ribs, keep contact. Try to bring your elbows back. I mean, your, your thumbs back, your thumbs, as it's going to touch the wall. Exhale and come back to the to starting position. Okay. Do it again. Then you'll feel a stretch in front of your shoulders, and your shoulder blade should be pinching. Yep. Yep. So simple movements like that. And if you notice your wrist position, you're holding that good food. It's going to dictate how I get your rotator cuff. So if you had a precondition, I'm actually, it's actually safer. So, so what you're feeling now can also generate, wow, some confidence to be like, wow, actually this feels good. Uh, I want to do more. Right. Well, you know, and little things like that, like when you realize you can, like those were some of my best aha moments, you know, with my fear of falling off the BOSU ball, because he wanted me to jump. I was okay standing on it. I could do all these different things, but he wanted me to jump. And I was so afraid to jump. And then what he did, he tricked me. He took one of those like little medicine balls, the little baby ones, not a big one. And he says, hey, Sam, catch. And he threw it over my head. And I jumped it and I caught it and went back down. And he's like, see, I knew you could. That's right. And, yeah. you know, because you know bodies better than I do. So, you know, in, in a lot of ways, much more about what my body can do than I can. And that's always, um, if, uh, from, a, from a fitness industry point of view, we always get in, the, um, we do a background, right? So I find out your preconditions, what your goals are, things like that, before we, we have you move. So no one should ever be training with a trainer if they don't know your health background. Sure. And everyone can agree on that because that's, you can't optimize your potential nor it's safe. Um, so yes. So, so what you're experiencing is, is, is what other people can experience, even if they don't have a trainer, is that just believing, uh, first acknowledging that the fear can be a much, can be blurring what you actually can do. I'm not minimizing the fear. But if I have a fear of, ste- of stepping down from a curb, let's pretend, or going down, that may limit my social engagement. Sure. It will. You and know. that ties into mental health and this, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's not a snowball effect. It's really slow, but it happens. And then the next thing you know, um, we have more muscle atrophy, and then we're, we're more at risk for falls or injury, um, things like that. Yeah. But I... I have to say, wherever anyone is right now, 
that's the starting point. Mm -hmm. You can always get better. You can always progress. Right. Doesn't matter how far, how long it's been. You haven't done any X. Doesn't matter. Today is the day. You can one thousand percent make the commitment to do something for today. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you know, I have this thing where you know my kids are Lego fans, and there was this Lego episode. You know, I was sitting up in the middle of the night with one of my kids with an ear infection, and it was really funny, Julio, because Sensei Wu, he's this little Lego figurine. He comes out, you know, and he's right. he's got the the hat, and he's the Sensei, and he says to the little Lego character, he's like what can you do today to get you to where you want to be? You know, the simple little phrase stuck with me for a decade. Like and so every time I think about like whatever I'm doing in my business in my personal life in my physical life, what can I do today? Because there's always something to do. When I was a broke single mom, uh, I didn't have money for a gym. I didn't have gym equipment. And as silly as it sounds, I would walk around my house. I'd go up and down the stairs. You know, I'd put double laundry in my laundry basket. So it was heavier, like, you know, these little things. And then, you know, as my kids grew and my company grew and, you know, all of a sudden then I'm like, wow, I can hire a trainer. Um, and why did I hire a trainer is because I got better results per workout. You know, I could go to the gym and work out by myself and, you know, that was, was great, but I found myself spending, you know, three, four hours in the gym and I'm like, Hmm, not getting the fitness results I want. And so when I talked to the trainer who happened to be my kid's eighth grade teacher, he's like, let me do a training session with you and let's see what you're doing. Let's see. And all of a sudden I can do in two workouts get better results than my four workouts on my own. And to me, that was a good use of my time and my money because I can spend two more hours either with my kids or building my business. And even though, yes, it costs me money to hire a trainer, I see the results I want. I mean, it was, people thought I was insane at 50 years old to hire a trainer. Well, you're experiencing the, the exercise science. That's what that is. So the, the person you're training with has a background Yes. Uh, on, on movement and that's what we do we're movement specialists another way of saying a personal trainer just call us movement specialists and then we we uh, we create programs for that's conducive to your goal so if you wanted to do a 5k then i'm going to have you do things for 5k if you want to do rock climbing get stronger lose weight that's how we program now that being said it doesn't matter what equipment someone has or not or, or does not have you can still optimize your body's potential at any age. So you gave an example, like you picked up heavy bags and things like that. So some of the things like I can, I can suggest, a lot of people don't know is that grip strength, that's one of the things that we start to lose as we age. There's a direct correlation between grip strength and brain health. Oh. Yes, and also to your rotator cuff. So if you're at home, you know how you carry the bag. So that 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 forces you to have a stronger grip. Things like that will go a difference. So if you, and um, there's this old saying. It's a Sanskrit. Sanskrit. It's called ihai pasiko. Okay. And that means um, question everything. So anything I'm saying, I'm saying, please explore research. Yep. So grip strength ties into brain health, Google it, and you will see what I mean. So you can have like whatever in your house, if you have the old school, um, what do we call that? You know, the grip thing? Yeah. You squeeze. I think I have you... one on my desk around here somewhere. Because when I get stressed and people are annoying me on the phone, I don't want to let it be known. So I tell them, oh, I'm doing my hand exercises. Yeah, and if you say if you have a towel, you can wrap that towel around something that's heavy and you just carry it. Mm -hmm. heavy as mark so just anything like this so see this is stuff you can do at home um yeah hopefully this is helpful for people you don't have to go out and buy a whole bunch of expensive equipment your body is the best equipment you have right now sure it's just how to move it well, and one of the things that, you know, I was concerned about, and, you know, it was kind of my gift to myself when I was like 48, 49, um, is, I knew that, like, I have a pool, Julio, my house in Los Angeles is on two acres, there's brush clearance to be done, I have three little dogs, you know, I have a golden retriever, and, you know, this fat little chihuahua mix, like a weird collection of dog parts, and then I have one of my client's dogs, um, Sophie, who I took after he died, so, you know, I have a lot of obligation, but what that means is, 
50, 60 pound buckets of chlorine, big bags of dog food. And yeah. since I live up a long canyon, it's not like I can get somebody to come to my house to help me to lift something or if my kids are at school. So my biggest concern, you know, as a aging mother with my old dad um, was like a house injury, you know, something as simple as carrying in a 50 pound bag of dog food or, you know, doing these things. And so when he was training me, he was having me do all these silly things. And I was laughing and I'm like, and he's like, what? And I'm like, you're just having me like carry the dog food differently. You're having me do these things. And I really encourage everyone because I didn't need, um, I like going once a week to him because it keeps me on target. But in times, lean times, I've met him once a month and I keep doing those things. And the next month he gives me another one. I think a lot of people, there's a misconception that you have to meet your trainer twice a week. You have to meet your trainer every week. I think there's opportunity in our market, especially for older people who might be on fixed incomes, to hire somebody for a specific purpose and then come back a month later come back six weeks later. You know, yeah. you have to use your own diligence at that point. You can't rely on, I paid this guy, I have to show up, he's going to get mad. You know, those are all the things like on the client end that we do to, to keep ourselves going. Um, but once you start seeing results, it becomes automatic. Yeah, and uh, I think another reason why individuals um, hire personal trainers, because I actually, uh, one way that I learned, the best way that I, it wasn't from books. I'm going to be really, really honest. It wasn't through the course. It was by me having mentors and I had my own coaches. Yeah. Just, just being, so when you hire a trainer or someone of that capacity, they're um, not only holding you accountable, but they are also coaching you. So that relationship is, is, is kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, the same way. Um, so you may have a day it would be like, I don't, I don't feel like doing anything. And you have an appointment with a, with your trainer. When you show up and that I have yet to meet someone say, I, I feel worse. You know, it's always like, right. I feel no, better. You always feel better. The only time. Okay. There's one time that I didn't feel better. And I, but it was so funny because I bitched at my trainer the whole time. It was like 110 out here in Los Angeles. And he's like, we're going to run that hill. And I said, Oh no, we're not. And he's like, we're going to run that hill. And we were running up the hill. And I was like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. It's hot. It's dirty. It smells bad. It's sunny. I can't see. And he's yeah. You know, the whole way up, the whole way down, we get to the bottom and he says, don't you feel good? And I said, never again. <laughs> that was, that was honest. Else. You know, I did it once because he had this rule. He's like, just try it. You know, because he would introduce these new workouts and this, you know, these are other things like kind of the psychographics that we talk about being an older person being trained. You know, I was a swimmer from the time I was four to college and I was used to being coached. You know, I played soccer. I was used to being coached. Coach, tell me what to do. I'll do it. Tell me what to do. Well, then I got to about 35, 40. And I'm like, hey, I run my own company. Hey, I raised two kids. Hey, I make more than you. And so, you know, it was, it was really um, like a come to Jesus for me to go, am I coachable? Like at this point, am I coachable? Because I had to think about, you know what? I might have an NBA, but I don't know squat about movement. Yeah. And I might run this big company and have all these people working for me, but I don't have a six pack. Like I got to go to this trainer. So I have one ass, not two. like, you know, <laughs> these were the things like, these were the thoughts in my head going, you have a choice, you know, cause we all have a choice, but if what? we're going to choose to train with someone, what do you think are some of the qualities that you should look for, examine, or adopt in yourself as a person seeking training? Like, what do you think, how would you help somebody like me who's kind of a little control freak? Um, let, me, let me make sure I got you. Um, but, but let me, if I may, if just take one minute to, to, I like what you said earlier when your trainer had you run up the hill and it was 110. <laughs> so what, what you had there was a release of, a release of endorphins. Yeah. Right? And then the second thing that was in there was intensity. Yes. A specific safe intensity. So your body had to adapt and change and your body will change if you keep repeating it to a certain degree to, 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 to match that type of stimuli. That's 
the same principle that applies if you're 89, 79 years old, male, female. Isn't, and that is one of the most underused tools by fitness professionals and the medical community in prescribing exercises. So if I, doctors will say, go for a walk. And the only reason why they may prescribe going for a walk for someone who is older, I'm kind of going on a tangent. Yeah, this is okay. in my project. is because they base it on chronological age, not physiological age. So if someone's 69, a doctor, that's not their specialty is fitness. That's not. So they would say, go, you need activity, Sandra. So if you're 69 years old, I want you to walk. Now, that, won't, that might work for a week or two, but we need a different intensity to right. challenge, so you can have an adaptation. And that's, that's, uh, that's where this bias has been happening for a while, where even fitness professional base exercises on an age rather than someone's physiological. Does that make sense? Well, absolutely it does. Because like you can look at me, I don't think I look like your average 50-year-old, but when I, I, right now I'm being treated for cancer. I have skin cancer in my arm, so I've had all these treatments. And doctor after doctor comes in and says, your blood is not a 50-year-old blood. Like my blood sugar when I went in to have it tested before my CAT scan this weekend was 82. Like how many 50-year-olds walk around with an 82 blood sugar? And, you know, most of them are 150, 100, because they're like, oh, we can't give you this treatment in case your blood sugar is too high, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, my sugar's good. Like, mm -hmm. trust me, I know what I eat. I know I work out. And they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because they're looking at a 50, the five zero by my name, not a three zero or a two zero. But one of the things I'll tell you, after my mom died, Julio, um, I did a breast cancer run at Dodger Stadium. And I ran with a team of girls and I was the second oldest on the team. Mm -hmm. And I came in second in our group. Boom. So, boom. Like, I don't give a shit what people say about my age. I don't care if they say, oh, you're 50. You shouldn't. You can't. You. I coach our girls and boys swim team. I mean, we're on lockdown right now, so it's kind of hard to coach them. But, you know, and I'm in the water with them. And that was the big thing with, they're like, Miss Beck, like, this is so cool. Because, you know, you can't teach a flip turn from the side. You can't teach butterfly from the side. And some of these kids in Los Angeles learned how to swim last week. Like, you know, they're not, you know, they're not learning this stuff. I go, you know, I'm teaching at a public school. So, you know, and my son's on the team, but our high school doesn't have a pool. So we have to go to a public pool at yeah. 54 degrees at night. And have swim practice from six to eight at night outside when it's 50 degrees. And so these kids really want to learn. And I hop in the pool with them. And a couple of the other coaches called me and they said, what are you doing? Why are you getting in the pool with them? And I'm like, what do you care? And you know what it is? I make them look bad. Because uh, yes, they I can't stand on the sidelines, blow their whistle, drink right. their Diet Coke, and yell at the kids to run around and learn. You know, I'm active in the water with them. Personally, because I believe that's the only way to help someone learn is one-on-one. -on -one. Did you prove my point? So the, that bias, that's one of the things I'm trying. I'm, that's why I'm very grateful that you allow me on your show is to say that we, we need to have that change in the fitness and also in the medical community. Because by limiting people and prescribing exercise, which is for safety, I get it, just in chronological yeah. age, you're not allowing people. It can be counterproductive. That's what yeah. I'm getting at. And, um, and that applies again, like if they're 70, 80, 89, you'll be amazed. Like I have an 89-year-old, and, uh, and uh, we're on lockdown here too. You want to hear something humbling? Yeah. When he says to me, he's 80, he has Alzheimer's, and he has uh, degenerative knee arthritis. They told him 10 years ago he has to get a knee replacement. Notice I said 10 years ago. 10 years ago. And he's still walking. He has a, a walking stick now. But he's still ambient, you know, he can still walk and has his balance. He he still says once in a while, because I learned this, he said, Julio, that wasn't uh, hard enough. I love that. That wasn't hard enough. I'm like, wow. I'm like, look, man, you're like, you're you got you're doing a basic role with towels and and I am humble. So I'll say, okay, I'm listening and I'll make it heavier. And they would say, thank you. <laughs> But he's right because that's where the good stuff is. Like, yes. you know, I teach spin now. One of my gifts to myself at 50 is I became a certified fitness, uh, spin instructor. Mm 
Nice. So I teach spin classes. I have a senior fitness spin class and I have my regular classes. And honestly, if I don't kick ass on that, people don't walk out feeling good. You know, if I go in there and I play music, like I do this 50s music, 40s, 50s, and 60s music for my 60-year-old and up class. Mm -hmm. So they're in there and we're playing the Shirelles, we're playing Dolly Parton and having a great time, but everybody's moving. But if I don't keep that pace up, what you talked about, that intensity, Very important. they will not walk out and go, Miss Beck, that was a great class. Like, that's what I want to hear. That was a great class. They, and they'll come back. Right. And well, they'll come back. But also, if you don't get your, your intensity up enough, you don't get whatever that juice is that comes out that allows you to have the best day ever after you go to the gym. Yes. It's us. We can talk. I can talk talk all day about intensity because that's how important it is because if we want the body to change if you want your balance to improve if you want to if, because you know sarcopenia is huge if people don't know what that is that's the process of muscle waste right. and function as we age and we can slow down that process with strength training um, but strength training has to be associated with a specific intensity that's progressive if that makes sense, mm -hmm. that's how you maintain. And then there's also the, uh, the mental health benefits of doing something that's challenging. You know, the old saying, the body will not change. Uh, no, the body will not change without challenge. Right. Right. You know? and, it, and it's universal for all ages. Uh, so you're, you're, I like your little, um, uh, mm -hmm. oh, how you said in your spin class, like every, all the juices are flowing. That's exactly what it is. The brain is releasing a lot of chemicals and, um, one of the, when I, as I said um, earlier, like uh, when I'm working on this project, I had to do a lot of more research and um, having older adults return back to fitness and physical activity is directly related to them feeling good about themselves, having fun and having some type of challenge. Well, and I think for women, especially, you know, and I can't speak on behalf of men. Um, I was raised in an era where we were the first group of female athletes to wear the skimpies. You know, like my sister had the skimpy little volleyball shorts. We had the skimpy bathing suits. Like, you know, it was really hard to stand up as a young lady in, mil in like middle school, high school, and college in a bathing suit in front of a group of people. Cause it, you know, bodies those days like you know and I'll be honest I was treated for an eating disorder because I got whacked with all that stuff but now when I return to it making fitness a big part of my life I learned to appreciate like my legs may not look like a supermodel's legs but they're strong, they're well-shaped, you know, they're, they're functional and they kick ass, you know, 20 yes. miles in a 55 minute spin class and I'm not sucking wind. Like now I look at my body differently. I look at things and go, you know what, for 50, not too bad. I, like I wish at 20, I could have looked at, cause I had a rocking body at 20. But I didn't appreciate it. I didn't look at it and go, wow, look at the form, look at the function, look at all the things you could do. All I looked at is I didn't look like the models in the magazine. And I think that's one of the things, having a return to fitness, I think you, re you appreciate your body more. Sounds like you're, 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 you're giving us wisdom. Well, you know, I'm an old broad, so I got some things to give. And I always make sure there's wisdom in my spin class for the young women that are in there because I wouldn't wish on anybody how I felt about my body in my 20s, you know, and then I look and I'm in my 40s and I'm carrying more weight than I had in my 20s and I'm more confident and fit. Yes. I personally have lost over 70 pounds. Wow. Yes. And I've also trained when I was overweight and it was due because I ended up um, going into real estate for a bit. Uh -huh. And then if a lot of people don't know, there's sitting in real estate and there's donuts. <laughs> oh, every office. I ran it, Coldwell Banker Beverly Hills. I ran an office there for <laughs> 12 years. Bagels, donuts, like there is so much crap by the copy machine. Like you need to literally sew your lips shut. So my part of my journey, my experience, and I, uh, I've never, I'm not like physically gifted. I've always had, um, as a child, I was overweight. But when I returned back to fitness, I was 70 pounds overweight. So when people saw me, they saw 70 pounds overweight man, but they couldn't see my knowledge. 
Right. And when I spoke with people like this one-to-one, -one, I made them feel just like the Maya Angelou, mm -hmm. you know, what I know. So talking is one thing, but when I had them move, do the ex exercise, they became a believer. Like, wow, this guy knows. He may look a little pudgy, <laughs> but it's like, and then the day came, I was like, it's time, Julio, for you to, you know, do what you need to do for your health because you're seeing everyone else is getting results. Now you got to do you. And I did that. And um, the, the biggest thing I got out of that was uh, some personal growth, you know, learn more about myself, my insecurities, but it also make me more compassionate and understand where people are coming from. If they're older or younger, whatever goes, that I want to listen to your fears. And I also want to let you know that it's doable. Well, and you did it. Like, that's the biggest thing. Like, I think that's why a lot of the moms in my peer group come to my fitness classes because they're like, wow, she did it. Like, she literally, you know, did it. She, she made a change and, you know, the world didn't fall apart. She feels great. She's happy. And I think, you know, when you're a walking testimony to what you preach, it's like golden. Yeah. And that's, it's a domino effect. You know, and uh, and it's always hard work, but it's worth it. And I, I, per, I have to say this, I mean, if your audience just believe this, I did not do it alone. Mm -hmm. So the way I did it, I reached out to my coach, someone within my network, and that individual said, Julio, I'm going to hold your hands in the beginning, but let me tell you up front, you know what to do. You just need some accountability and yep. someone to motivate you. And then mm -hmm. after a month, the training wheels came off and that's the same thing we can do in fitness for older adults or anyone advanced aging. We didn't talk about um, individuals in an advanced age. Mm -hmm. They also can, can improve their quality of their life. And yeah. I, I'm just being, I'm being heartfelt. I'm trying to be like sincere. Like, it, like every day is a, is a gift, but movement, even if you're 90, 95 can go a long way. Oh, absolutely. I can tell you when my, I brought my father in to live with me when my mother died. And that was like eight years ago now. And when my father came to live with me, he was probably 60 pounds overweight. You know, he had been stressed out to the max after my mom had a five-year battle with cancer. You know, he was a primary caregiver. He was grieving. He was all sorts of sideways. And after about a year or two, I called Dr. Lori. I had her on one of my shows and I said, Dr. Lori, my, my dad is suffering from colitis. He's got all this, he's got that. And she's like, you know, she gave me this list of things to do. One of them being, you know, track what he eats, you know, use a lot of recipes from her book. And I took him off diet sodas, which he loved. And everybody was criticizing me going, his wife just died. He's old. Let him eat what he wants. And, you know, I even battled my whole family with that because I put him on, you know, he's a diabetic. So I put him on this whole different nutrition plan. And some days he'd really bark at me. He'd be like, I, you know, I want my old, I want my, blah, blah, blah. you know, and I'm like, you cannot have it, you know, and I became the general in the kitchen. But I will tell you a year later, and this is a true story, Julio, I swear, I'm in the park because I would take him to the park with me. He would walk around once. I would run around like four times and then we'd meet up and go home. And he was 84 at the time, 83, 84. He starts to run. And I'm thinking, uh -huh. oh no, like, is he got to run to the bathroom? Like, is he having a heart attack? Like, because our fish before it had a heart attack and died, swam around really fast around the tank and then went belly up. And I'm like, oh no. So I go running across the field as fast as I could. And I'm like, dad, are you okay? And he looked at me, he goes, I can do it. He goes, I just wanted to see if I could. And he That's did, awesome. he ran about maybe an eighth to a quarter of a mile. That's awesome. And he said, and he was still overweight and he's still wobbly and all these things. But he said, I don't think I've run for 50 years. Now, he's not going to do marathons. He's not going to go on any of those things. But if you could have seen his face, yep. he, was, see right he had amazed himself. It's called a small victory. Yeah, huge victory. Like maybe yeah. a small victory to us, but huge for him to go, wow, like yeah. I can still do this. And I think that's the one thing like – at middle age, when you're raising your kids and you're, you know, dealing, like we call it the sandwich generation, you know, you have to, you've got kids above and parents, parents above, kids below, all of them need your help. You're stuck okay. in the middle of the sandwich. And I think if you're a sandwich mom or dad out there, 
it is more imperative than ever that you invest in your personal health. Yeah. Because if I have to pick up my father because he slipped or fell or can't get back in the chair, I can do it. Yes. Now, yes. I'm not going to do it all the time, but 50 peg found bag of dog food, I can take from the, you know, I can take the chlorine. I can do these things because I'm strong enough to handle what is thrown at me or I can get help. I mean, obviously, you know, you do all these things, but a fit person is more able to care for her children and her parents oh, yeah. than an unfit. Oh yeah. So just, um, that's a beautiful story. And mm-hmm. I totally agree. And the seeing him run is, uh, I, I kind of got that, 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 mm-hmm. that vision. And what I meant about small victory was more, um, not minimizing it. It's more like, um, that's a, let me change it. That's a real victory. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like how much I can lift. It's like, how can I transfer this in daily life? So he just did that. Like that's priceless is what I wanted to say. Yeah. I don't care how much you squat. I don't care if you No, that's like, that's pride and that, you know, and that's, that's a game changer there. Yeah. And um, when you were talking about uh, lifting, like I have clients like that too, that they're caretakers and you you know, I have to pick up my mom or my dad often. Yeah. That's huge. And we can all, get stronger as of today. Um, yeah. and, and it's, it's not, it's does never have to be complicated. And uh, if you can start getting stronger today, the, as anything, you first got to think about it and then you got to take the action. So if you're listening now to Sandra's show, as you are, this is, it's time. It's time. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's no mystery that you showed up on the show today to listen. And, you know, I'm a single soul supporting mom and I can still get my ass to the gym. And, the hardest thing for me, Julio, was um, consistency and going consistently. And that was one of the big decision makers that I had when I was studying for my indoor cycle um, cert because I knew myself. I knew if I wasn't getting paid, I wouldn't go to the gym. Like I would punt it for paid work. You know, like I would punt it for different oh, things. Yeah. I, I needed external accountability. I need these guardrails to keep me off the, the road. So, you know, I did get certified. I did go to my gym and, and they signed me up for, you know, three to five classes, depending on, you know, what I have going on. But I know I can be accountable to the paycheck and I know I can be accountable to the class. I know that I'm not real good at accountability for myself, but I could put some guardrails in place. And then the other thing that I did was I joined a girls group there that get together and they lift. And if I miss, they call me and say, you better have a good excuse. You better be on the air or taking your kid to the hospital because anything less than that, get over here. And there are times where I'm so embarrassed I get out of bed and I go over there because I don't want to le- let my teammates down. Yeah, that's teamwork. And like you said, guardrails, teamwork. So like there's no coincidence if you're listening to the show today is like speak to your partner, speak to a family member. Be like, hey, as of today, can you remind me that I need to do some physical activity for 15 minutes? Doesn't matter if it's walking around the block, yep. you know, doing push-ups on the wall. Just tell your friend, your partner, family, can you remind me and hold me accountable as of now? Send me a text. Yep. And put those auto reminders on here. Yeah. You know, because mine were really rude. They were like, hey, fatty, get to the gym. Like, you know, because it would make me laugh. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so rude to myself. But I would laugh and go because getting there is the hardest part, truly. Yeah. And it's it's uh, but you can do it. Yeah. You can over, you can, anyone can do it. And, and we all have gone through it too. We, we, it's, it's like a, like a little roller coaster, but we only have today. Right. So whatever you, whatever time you have remaining for today, you can do something. Right. It's sensei Wu. Like he says, what can you do today to get you to where you want to be? Yes. That's it. That's it. So Julio, when's your book come out and what's going on with, with you on your end? All right. Well, um, I'm just submitted my book for, to the editor. Uh-huh. Uh, that should be out in about a month, give or take. It's called Sparta, Sparta seniors, synchronicity of science, perception of limitations and movement, a new method to build and support intrinsic capacity in older adults. It sounds fancy. All that means is that movement is key and 
um, and anyone can move. And the book is specific for older adults. And I also factor in the, um, the fear factor. Mm -hmm. And I have our exercises in there too. Uh, it, if you're interested in it, it's on fitnessfoundry.net. And I have a bunch of free resources on there, including virtual training. We love that. We love that. So um, fitnessfoundry.net, right? Yes. Look for the Sparta book. And I think it's not only good, like, let's talk about older. What is older? Is older 40, 50, 60, 70? What's older? This is awesome. So an older adult, I did my research. It's in the book. So it varies. So let's go with AARP. Yep. Yeah. 50. 50 years old. Oh <laughs> I was so offended when I got that card in the mail. I'm like, no way. That's awesome. So if I go by the World Health Organization, um, their definition is uh, most, no, most Western um, countries base older adult number on economics. Oh. Yeah. But in other countries, it's not based on economics. So here is like more 65-ish. That's what the retirement age. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. But it doesn't tie into your physical, your physiological capability or physiological age, rather. So older That's right. Adults, My dad didn't retire until 74. He was 10 years after that because he's like, at 65. What am I going to do? So an older adult is debatable to set age 50, you know, 64, 80. Um, but the World Health Organization and is, 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 um, is, is basically saying that I believe it's, it's generally based on economics. Yeah. So I would say anybody over 40 should pick this up because if you're, you know, 40 and up, great. And you're probably like me caring for parents who are 60, 70, 80 and up. And give it to your fitness professional too, because it has instructions on how to do programming. Um, there's, I, there's something that's called, you probably know this, you're a businesswoman, mm -hmm. smart principle, S-M-A-R-T, smart right, programming. Sure. Yeah. So the, what I did, I created a, a specific goal setting for older adults. That's gotcha. what SPARTA stands for. Gotcha. So within that, that, that SPARTA is still specific. And then the P is for perception. The A is for accessibility. And that ties into intensity. The R is for rewarding. So this is for the Make sure when you were exercising with an older adult or you're exercising, it has to be fun. And, and you know, and, and this should be uh, feeling good. And then the T is there should be a timetable based on short goals. And the A is awareness. All that means is that if you're working with a coach, that individual should be looking more, should be engaging more with the older adult, the client, to make sure it's safe and listening to feedback. Because if they see a pattern of decline, it's up to us to, to do a referral. Gotcha. Gotcha. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Julio, thank you for your time today. It's been a great episode. Um, we'll be back again next week with another great episode and to your great health. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Join us again. We've got something you won't want to miss. Motherhood Talk Radio is a production of Beck Multimedia.